Hello, welcome to the uh, test review for Unit 1, our foundations of un the United States government. So this was all about the uh, basically some of the outside uh, contributions to our, our government, our constitution, plus all the different types of governments that are out there. Uh, so you can find the review on Google Classroom if you want to have a copy in front of you. Uh, and let's get rolling. All right, so the first term on there is the unitary states. So remember the unitary states, uh, this is going to be where you have kind of a strong, powerful central government. And then underneath it, um, you have all the little, basically political subunits. So think of our school uh, like this. You got Miss Ogman's office Okay, and she is the the unitary government. She is she could dictate to, to us uh, everything. All righty. And then all the classrooms out there are the little political subunits. So we have to listen to her. Uh, so basically, uh, it's a government consisting of, of one powerful government. Um, or governed as one. So, you know, she would send out her orders uh, and then we would have to listen whether it's her acting as a um, executive, acting as a legislative, but there's just one, all right? And they're, they're telling us all what to do. All right, the English philosophers. Um, so the first off, you need to remember that all of them are going to influence our Constitution, all right? So Hobbes, Locke, uh, Voltaire, even though we didn't go over him, uh, Rousseau and Montesquieu, all of these guys, uh, somehow with their writings are going to influence the framers, whether it's ideas, whether it is um, just reading uh, and, and taking into account some of the stuff that they wrote about, you know, it's, it's all stuff that's included. Okay. Uh, so let's go through them. So Hobbes, he is the guy that wrote the, uh, the Le Leviathan and on the test, uh, there is a quote from him. Okay. And so you need to, to realize or remember uh, that you have to be able to, to read the quote and interpret it a little bit. All righty. Uh, and his quote is something along the lines of how, how awful life would be. Okay. Uh, if people were basically left to their own devices. And so he's, he's really writing about the fact that, Hey, we as citizens, we as people um, we're good, but then we kind of deteriorate and we need law and order. So basically we need, um, to be, we, we need the rules. We need the structure. Okay. Uh, Locke, he's the, the writer of two treaties of government that we need to remember. He is the natural rights guy. So he wrote, uh, about the, the, every person has the right to life, liberty, and property. Uh, and also importantly, he wrote about the fact that it's the government's job to protect those rights. All righty. So it's not just, Hey, you have those rights and then you're left to fend for yourself. You have those rights, Plus, it's the government's job uh, to, to, to protect them. Voltaire, like I said, uh, in class uh, is a, a, a test. He's on the test in that he is a response, but he's not the answer. Okay. Uh, so just remember that. If you see Voltaire, just know, hey, that's not it. So you're, you, have a, you have a one in three chance there. Um, he did talk about and write about the freedom of speech and religion, just so you know but he's not on the test. Uh, and then Rousseau, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Rousseau <clears throat> was probably the most difficult to understand. 
uh, he also wrote about how people are, are naturally good, but we do uh, tend to sometimes go down paths that might not be the best. Uh, and then finally, Montesquieu. All right, Montesquieu wrote about the separation of powers. Uh, remember, Montesquieu came from a time when uh, kings and queens, monarchs, could make laws, enforce laws, and then judge laws, uh, and then basically execute their judgments all in the same day. And uh, he'll write about how that's not fair, that's not right. No one person should have all those powers. And so that's why we have our three branches of government. Uh, all right, a couple of other overall things about the, the English philosophers. Locke and Montesquieu, their ideas are really kind of come through uh, in Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. So just uh, recall that, um, that Jefferson was heavily influenced by Locke and Montesquieu. The other two, Hobbes, Rousseau, kind of had a, a somewhat of a uh, say-so, but um, at the end of the day, it's really going to be Locke and Montesquieu. Uh, finally, a lot of these guys are, are attributed to the social contract. Just remember the social contract is really going to, to focus on um, equality, okay? Yes, we give up our rights and to, to govern, and we turn that over to the government, but because of that, it's very important for the government to focus on making sure that the laws are uh, enacted fairly and equally. So that's one of the big, broad ideas of these philosophers and some of the social contracts that they talked about. All right. Uh, the English documents and their impact on America. So all of these documents, the Magna Carta, the Petition of Rights, the English Bill of Rights, they all led to uh, the, the Constitution. They all contributed to somebody. Now, we looked at some slides on uh, Tuesday in class for just a few minutes. Uh, but just remember, you know, some of the stuff that we saw, uh, we could point to that's, hey, that's in the American government today. You know, the right to bear arms, the, the right to not be, not be able to tax without consent and things like that. So all of those things are part of um, the, the Constitution. All righty. And they, uh, they, they weren't like, it's not like we used the blueprint for the Magna Carta. Said, okay, Magna Carta equals constitution. But there is influence. <clears throat> Some of the ideas used in these documents are going to be used uh, there. All right, so the Magna Carta, just very quickly. Remember, this was uh, King John. Uh, he was asked to sign this back in 1215. Um, you know, asked was a nice way of putting it. He was kind of forced to sign it. But it's going to take away power from the king. All right, so the, the, the king is going to lose some power uh, with this. Uh, the Petition of Rights, uh, so this is in 1628. Uh, once again, uh, in this one, uh, the king was wanting money to, to fight a war. Parliament said, well, hey, if you're going to get that money, you're going to sign this. And once again, it's going to reduce the power of the king. It's going to take away his ability, his or her, uh, the monarch, I guess I should say, um, their, their ability to, to do um, some of the things that uh, the parliament did not did not like what the the king was the, the monarch was doing, uh, and so it was really going to make them rule with parliament instead of ruling over parliament. Uh, and then the English Bill of Rights, uh, this is a big one uh, for taxes. It's going to basically say, hey, you can't do taxes without parliament consent. So basically, the king was kind of handcuffed here. Um, and I keep saying king because they, it was the kings that, that all signed these things. 
but the king, you know, he could not go out and raise taxes anymore. It was up to uh, Parliament to say, yes, we're going to raise taxes and things like that. So the king really lost power there with that. All right, we will be back right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Um, so we're picking up with the oligarchy stuff. Um, so I think the oligarchy, just the, the simple definition is pretty easy for everybody. That's the, the group rule. So maybe you have a council or um, a group of five or something like that. If you think back to your world history days, the Romans did something with this, like you know they had the, the council uh, that Julius Caesar was a part of and, and things like that. The, the Greece thing, there's just a situation in Greece where they were an oligarchy. So that's why it's on there. Um, but uh, yeah, if you can just remember, hey, rule by a couple of people, you should be in good shape. Uh, the Republic, representative democracy. Remember, these are interchangeable at this point. So we have, uh, we live in a republic, you think to the, the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, and it's, it's just a representative democracy. So remember, that's where we pick and choose uh, our elected officials because the, uh, in just a few minutes, we'll talk about direct democracy. Uh, we can't do that anymore. You know, we're too big. And so we need to elect people. We need to pick officials that are going to make decisions for us. Uh, and when I say make decisions, it's not like, hey, uh, what kind of car should I buy or what should I eat for dinner tonight? We're talking about the rules and laws and policies that I'm not going to take the time to go through and then go vote on on a daily basis. All right. It's just it's, it's not something I have time for or any desire to do. So we have our elected officials that take care of that. All right. The parliamentary democracy versus presidential democracy. Uh, remember that both of these are executive based, meaning there is a Congress slash parliament and a, an executive. Um, there was a president, there's a prime minister, you know, those are the two big ones. Uh, and the presidential, okay, so first off, the, the big difference, and this is what typically shows up in tests, um, is how do they pick their leadership, the executive, excuse me. Uh, the presidential democracy, we as citizens go out and pick our executive versus the parliamentary democracy where the people will pick their parliament and then the parliament will pick the executive, the prime minister, Okay. So in the parliamentary system, the legislative slash parliament slash Congress, whatever you call them, is ultra important and, and really powerful because the, the executive position kind of owes their position to those parliament members. And it comes from their members as well. Uh, authoritarian government versus democratic government. So uh, in this, you remember, we have the, the different shades of, of citizen involvement of ideas and things like that okay uh, and and the restrictions and the powers of the government as well so under a democratic government you're going to have a lot of freedom you're going to have a lot of citizen involvement elections running for office and things like that okay there's also going to be restrictions placed on the the democratic government uh, things they can't do versus the authoritarian government where there's almost no citizen involvement the leader whoever that might be 
can do kind of what they want to and not have to worry about what's going on with the citizens. So less citizen involvement, less uh, ideas, okay, are, are out there. The direct democracy. So the direct democracy, <laughs> excuse me. Remember, this worked back when we were colonies and we were really, you know, hey, here's my small village. This is the only place I go. This is the only place I live. There's about a hundred of us. It was pretty easy to have a town hall meeting and we talk and discuss the issues of our village. Hey, what are we going to plant this fall? What are we going to grow this spring so we can have food in the winter? You know, so who, you're going to go hunt, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it was easy to have a small group do that. We're too big today to do a direct democracy. Like I said about the, the representative democracy and the elected officials, I'm not going to take the time that's needed to go through all the different bills and laws and policies that our elected officials have to. Uh, so direct democracy, that is where we would actively take part. They really work well in small settings. Think back to the colonial days with the, uh, the small town meetings and things like that. All right, a confederation. So confederation, this is where you have um, the weak central government, okay? Uh, and the, the smaller subunits, the smaller political subunits really kind of dictate what's going on. So let's flip our unitary example with Ms. Ogman on its head. So we said that Ms. Ogman in the unitary example, she would be the strong central government and she would tell us the classrooms what to do. Well, in a confederation, it would be the opposite. All right. So she would be there and she would do her thing with the government. However, there was no way to enforce anything that the classrooms were doing. So, you know, if we as a classroom wanted to do something, we would just go do it. And, uh, you know, the, the central government would have no say so, no power. So think back to the Articles of Confederation. The states did what they wanted to. The national government needed to, to raise taxes. Well, the states didn't have to pay the taxes. OK, uh, and then the military and the trade and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> uh, some other examples from history uh, the, during the Civil War, the South was a confederation. Uh, more recently, you've got uh, the EU, the European Union, as an example of a confederation. You've got all those countries uh, that you're probably familiar with over in Europe, uh, and they're loosely grouped together. It's not really governed by the EU. There are some there are some governing things that happen, but at the end of the day, the countries are going to do what's best for them. Uh, all right. The rest of this is kind of stuff we've already talked about. Uh, the Declaration of Independence. Remember, uh, the big thing here is um, the the idea of natural rights comes from the from the writings of John Locke. OK, uh, and so Jefferson is going to change John Locke's idea of life, liberty and property to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know, write about it in the Declaration of Independence. So we talked about that under the philosophers and how they influenced it. Uh, the philosophers influenced. Uh, the big thing is the social contract and the idea of equality. Remember, uh, one of the big things is we're giving up our right to govern ourselves, to to um, to make decisions on our own, and we're turning that over to the government. That puts a lot of trust in the government's hands, or, or it takes a lot of trust on our part to adhere to the social contract. Because it's the government has to, to try and enforce laws equally and make sure that everybody's treated equally. And it's not an easy task. Okay, we know this. We see struggles um, on the regular um, in this country. Okay, uh, but I think they are. I think there is an attempt. I think there's, especially today, um, you know, there are attempts to to make sure everything's equal and treated equally. 
Uh, writings that influenced Jefferson, we already said, the big ones were Montesquieu and Locke. Uh, the natural rights we've already talked about, that is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then I just talked about the social contract and ideas of equality, uh, and everyone is created equal. So uh, we just talked about that stuff there. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and wrap this thing up. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's wrap this review up. So we're picking up with the limited government. Uh, remember, uh, limited government is just the restraints that are placed on the government. Okay, well, so when you see that term, it's not small government. It's not, hey, let's take some of the government away. It's just let's put restrictions, let's put restraints on the government. For our government, most of those restraints come in the form of our Bill of Rights. Those are things the government cannot take away from you. Uh, and so, um, you know, a, a democratic society um, a democratic government is going to have more restraints than an authoritarian government is going to. All righty. Uh, elections in a democratic society. Uh, so they should be free uh, and safe for everyone to, to take part in. And then also you know, people should honor the, the outcome and there should be a peaceful transition of power. Uh, and that's one of the key things. If you look back at history, uh, there's a lot of times where there wasn't that peaceful transition of history when we didn't have democratic elections and, and things like that. All right, Fidel Castro and autocratic government. So auto, that's just one. Uh, Fidel Castro shows up, I think, twice on the test. Most of them are scenarios. Both of them are scenarios, I believe. But just remember that, uh, you know, he's going to take power in Cuba, and he does create this government where he is the government. All right, so the auto, uh, autocratic. Uh, democracy versus a monarch. Uh, democracy, there's more citizen involvement. There's more viewpoints uh, involved you know, uh, where everybody gets a vote versus the monarchy where one person gets uh, a say-so, uh, the king or queen. Uh, popular sovereignty. So remember, that is where things, and when I say things, that's very general, uh, ideas, needs, all that kind of stuff should flow through the people, all right? And the government should operate for the people. Uh, it's all popular sovereignty means. And so uh, think back to the Civil War. Right before that, you know, bleeding Kansas and those things, if you remember your U.S. history stuff, um, one of the ideas was, hey, let's let states decide if they're going to be a free state or a slave state. Popular sovereignty. Let the people decide. Let the stuff come from the people. So that's where that is. Uh, oligarchy versus monarchy is pretty simple. Uh, we've already covered uh, oligarchy a couple times. That's going to be the group rule versus one person. All right. So if you're in an oligarchy situation, uh, that means you have several people making decisions. Monarchy, you have one. And then finally, the federal system of government. Remember, this is going to be where you have multiple levels of government. We are in a federal system here in America. You have the national government up in D.C. They make rules, decisions, policies, laws that we are expected to follow. We also live here in Georgia, where our governor and the state legislature will make rules, laws, policies that we're expected to follow. We can go further down to our local government, Gwinnett. Uh, the city you live in, so on and so forth, okay? We have all these different levels of government. And there's several federal systems around the world. Um, we're obviously the, the most important one because that's the one we live in. Um, but uh, anyways, that's what the federal system is. All right, guys, there are a couple questions where there's some charts some graphs some quotes and passages and things like that. So uh, it's a few, uh, I call them, well, it's not something I've made up, but there's the depth of knowledge. Depth of knowledge one is where it's simple recall. Depth of knowledge two and three is where you're having to do some thinking, you're having to do some interpreting. So there are a couple questions like that. There's not too many of them. 
Guys, if you have any questions about the test, the content, anything like that, please uh, feel free to email me or text me uh, with the Talking Points app, and I will respond to your message as quickly as possible. Uh, best of luck on the test, and I'll see you in class. All right, take care. Bye-bye.